0: I want to talk to you guys about transformation today. Because I want you to know that when you walk with Jesus, it's not just to walk with him and you end up staying the same person. The idea of walking with Jesus is so that you actually change and become like him. It's you become transformed to the point where you bear the same fruit that he bears. You have the same character as Jesus. That's the whole point, guys. So I want you guys to know that I think a lot of people are stuck at just being with Jesus and a lot of times we think we're just going to add Jesus to our life, right? Like, I'm just going to keep doing what I've been doing. And it's just sort of like I just added a friend on Facebook. or I just added a friend on Instagram. It's like, oh, I'm just going to add Jesus. But it's not going to change anything <laughs> that's happening in my life. I'm just going to continue going on the way I was going. And Jesus just comes along with me. But I think we have it all backwards, guys. I think actually when we walk with Jesus, if we realize it, he's actually leading. If you're really walking with him. And if he's leading, there's no way you can stay the same. So I'm talking about transformation today. And I also realize that a lot of us find that it's hard to transform, right? To change, right? It's hard to change habits, right? It's hard to change things that we've done for many, many years. Even like on a more spiritual level, quote, unquote, right? Like it's hard to change the things that we struggle with, right? Hard to change certain sins that we have. And I, including myself, I understand. Trust me. Yeah? And it's hard, right? If you ever spend any time walking with Jesus... Sometimes it's discouraging. (laughs) Like you try, you try, you try, and you fall. And you try, you try, you try, and you fall. And you're just like, I'm in this endless cycle. Like, why can't I actually change? Why doesn't anything actually get better? That's what we're going to talk about today. Because I believe that there's a secret that we're missing. There's something that we're not understanding. That God does intend for us to be transformed. But we go about it the wrong way. And through the story of Saul, the first king of Israel, we're going to see how real change happens. So you guys ready for that? we talk about real change today. So in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians, Paul says, right, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, behold the new has come. It's like what does that mean, right? How does the old pass away and the new come? A lot of times we think that it happens like in one moment. Like I hear a lot of people interpret this verse to say like the moment you said this sinner's prayer, it's like bam, you're now a new person. I don't know about you, but when I prayed that prayer, like I didn't like feel anything. You know what I mean? I wasn't like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. I, I suddenly love fantasy football less. <laughs> like, like, it didn't happen. Like, oh, wow. I suddenly have no desire for money anymore. Oh, wow. I, I, just, I just want to become a pastor right now and quit pharmacy. Like, that didn't happen. Like, that did not happen. <laughs> okay? Like, I don't know about you guys, but that's not what that verse is saying. It's not saying, bam, right there. <laughs> You're now a new person. We all know that, right? So how do we get to that? What Paul is saying is that if you're in him, if you're with him, if you're of him, then this will happen. But it's a process. It's a process. And this is actually more stating your spiritual stance in front of God. I have to explain that really quick. I know that's kind of crazy what I just said. It's actually just talking about your spiritual, where you stand with God. That he's moved you from apart from him to with him. That's what he means by new creation. But we still got the old habits, right? And at that point, it's still a decision that you have to make. Do you want to live like somebody new or do you want to remain where you are? And I want you to know God is gentle. He never forces change upon us, right? So it's not just going to happen without your permission. (laughs) So in that moment, do I believe when I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior that I was a new creation? Yes, because he moved me from being away from him to being with him but I'm still the same person in the flesh. I have to work that out. I have to work that out. That's why Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We got work to do, guys. We don't just be with Jesus and that's the end. Yeah? So let's get into it. I'm going to take you to the story of Saul's anointing. Because I believe Saul, the King Saul, is a lot like us. If you think about it, before he became a king, he's a lot like us. He's, he's a guy who knows God, right? He's, he's in a society That is centered around God. It's a theocracy. Theocracy just means that God is an actual ruler over them. He's part of a people that everybody knows God. Like there's no way you do not know God. They all know God. He's a good Israelite. He's a good Jew. He knows God. They're they're, they're told to memorize like the first five books of the Bible. They know everything. He knows everything. He's a good Jew. Okay. He follows the Ten Commandments. He does what he's supposed to do. He knows God. He obviously knows God. But What happens to make Saul from just a person into the king? What transforms him? What changes him? There's a difference. But I want you to know, we're a lot like Saul. Not really thinking about anything, just living our lives. I'm living with God. I know God. I'll live in his rules. I'll obey him. But he wasn't transformed yet until the day he met the prophet Samuel. And God changed his life forever. So I'm going to read to you from 1 Samuel chapter 10. And I'm going to set the stage for you really quick, the story. So real quick, real quick. The story is Saul's father named Kish, he lost some sheep or some some donkeys. So he just said, hey, go find them because they're really expensive. They're really valuable, which they are. So he goes and he looks and he looks and he looks and he can't find these donkeys. Okay, and He's looking all around. He's like, we can't find them. We should just give up. So his servant's like, oh, no, we shouldn't give up. There's a prophet and maybe we could ask him to pray and he'll tell us where the donkeys are. So he's like, okay, that's fine. That's a great idea. So he goes to Samuel where he's living. And his whole intention is he's going to ask him, hey, can you help me find my donkeys? Okay. And meanwhile, behind the scenes, God appears to Samuel and says, I'm sending you someone tomorrow. And when you meet him, you're going to anoint him the king of Israel. And so we're going to to pick up the moment. Saul shows up. Samuel says, don't say a word. I know who you are. I know why you came. The donkeys have already been returned. But for you... You're going to have dinner with me tonight. And then he just walks away. Like some, like, you know, like Batman just like disappears. He's like, whew, he just walks away. And then Saul's like, uh, he looks at his servant. and He's like, I guess we're having dinner. So they have dinner. And this is what happens at dinner. Okay. So we'll pick up from verse one in chapter 10. 1 Samuel 10:1. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over his people, Israel? And you shall reign over the people of the Lord. And you will save them from the hand of their, of their surrounding enemies. And this shall be the sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over his heritage. And so he gives them all these crazy signs. He's like, you'll go down here, you'll see a guy, there'll be a tree, there'll be a dog, you'll turn left, and there'll be two other guys carrying a bucket. I'm just joking. But it's really, he gives him this crazy story. It's super detailed of exactly what's going to happen when he leaves. I don't want to bore you with those details. I want to get to the part where I feel like the Lord wants to work in today. Okay? So he gives them this whole story. Tells him exactly what's going to happen when he leaves. Then in verse six, he says, then, this is important. Then the spirit of the Lord will rush upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Now, when these signs meet you, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Then go down before me to Gilgal and behold, I'm coming down to you to offer burnt sacrifices and to sacrifice peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait for me until I come to you and show you what you shall do. When he turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all these signs came to pass that day. All right. And so in this story, I want you to know that there's actually three things that radically changed in Saul's life. And I believe that these same three things God wants to do in us. I want you to know today that God doesn't just desire to love you, to walk with you. Yes, but he desires to transform you. He desires to change you in a way that you cannot even imagine for something greater than you can never imagine. It's exciting. It's It's like as if Iron Man and Captain America came up to you and were like, Eli, we need you to be on the Avengers. And he's like, what? He's like, yeah, just come along. Like that's the exact same way that Saul felt that That, is is that that a stupid example? Sorry. (laughs) I don't know. What's a better one? Uh, It's like if President Biden came up to you and was like, I need you on a special task force. I need you to do this for me. That's the same idea that Samuel will come to this note, to this person that no one knew and would anoint him with oil and basically say, you're going to rule this kingdom and I'm going to put you on assignment and you're going to save all of our people. (laughs) It's crazy. But three things changed in that moment. All right. So let's get into it. The first thing that changed was that he changed, he changed him through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? Change comes through the Holy Spirit. Change comes from the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna say that one more time. Change comes from the Holy Spirit and from his power. I don't know about you, but so many times don't we try to change ourselves? We try to work harder try to change harder, try to change my habits, try to change this, try to change that. And I'm not saying those things aren't important, but I believe in a holistic view of ourselves. We have to change not only physically our habits, mentally our thinking, but third, we need a fundamental change of our spirit. Do you understand that your sinful nature, what we all carry, is that naturally our inclination is to sin. We can't help but sin. It's our natural inclination without God. Okay, But with the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he changes that inclination. But that's why change, true change, I'm meaning true change. So I'm not saying like managing your temptation. I'm talking about true transformation only comes by the Holy Spirit. You guys get what I'm saying? You guys catch what I'm saying? Like like I'm saying like if I struggled with alcohol and I am tempted with it, I can manage it by having things in place, which is good, which is good. But I might still be tempted when I see it. But I believe when the Holy Spirit comes, he has the power to actually change my desire. Only he can change that at that level. It's not by our effort. It's through the Holy Spirit. And so that's why we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Because true transformation only comes through the Holy Spirit. Look at what it said in verse 6. Samuel says very specifically, then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you. That's when he changed. And then everything else happened after. Do you guys see that? but the very first thing that changed was the spirit of the Lord rushed upon Saul. And I want to address another theology that we have about anointing. You ever look at like those crazy like evangelists and like speakers on TV or like those pastors with like mega churches and we're like, oh wow, they're so anointed. We always say that, oh wow, they're so anointed. Oh wow, they're so powerful. They're so like this, they're so like that. You know what's funny? I want us to change our perspective on that that when you look at someone who's quote-unquote anointed, because when you say that, you're putting all the emphasis on that person. You think that that person is, is powerful and is gifted and is anointed because of their skill, because of their passion. Oh, because they pray really loud, because they worship really loud, because, oh, they read the Bible a lot. You, you, we put it on the man. We put it on the person. Oh, they must be anointed because they're so talented. They're so, they're so special. Can I tell you something? That's incorrect. That's not what the scriptures say scriptures say that anointing comes from God. And that God could change anyone into that person. It's actually backwards. Then the next time you see someone who's anointed, you don't say, wow, look at how special they are. You say, wow, look at the Holy Spirit moving through them. Look at how powerfully the Holy Spirit moves through them. That's all that it is. Because if you look at Saul, you know what Saul said when Samuel even approached him? This is how Saul described himself. He says, am I not a Benjamite from the least of the tribes of Israel? And it's not my clan, the humblest of the clans, of the tribe of Benjamin, so why then have you spoken to me in this way? You know what Saul's basically saying? He's like, I'm a nobody. <laughs> you got the wrong guy. I'm not the popular guy. I'm not the guy with a lot of following. I'm not the guy that's really interesting. I'm not the guy that people know. Nobody knows who I am. I'm not from the bigger cities. I'm not from the bigger places. And even among my own land, I'm of the smallest family. No one knows me. You got the wrong guy. It's not me. I'm not anointed, but then as you see, God didn't care. So the question is, why did he anoint him then? What did Saul do to deserve the anointing of God? Well, can I tell you the honest truth? He did nothing. God chose him. And can I tell you guys all today that God chooses all of you? So what's the difference? Then why isn't everyone anointed? Well, it's easy. It's because we don't respond to it. Do you know what Saul did? I imagine this. So you got to look at the story with me and read between the lines, okay? You know what Saul actually did? He didn't, he simply followed when he was called. Does that make sense? He simply followed. At any point, did you realize that Saul could have walked out and been like, this story is crazy. I'm, I'm out of here. He could have left. He didn't have to stay for dinner with Samuel. But when, da- when Samuel said, come, have dinner with me, he said, yes. God does the same. He invites you into that space. He's waiting to see if you're gonna follow and say yes. And the second thing is that when Samuel gave him the whole speech, he left that place and obeyed. That's all it is, guys. If we want to be truly transformed by the Holy Spirit, we have to follow, listen, and obey. I know it sounds simple, but it's not. It's simple, but it's hard to do. That's what I meant to say. But that's all that Saul did. Don't get it twisted. Saul was nothing special. He was special because the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. And can I tell you something? I'm nothing special. I don't want you to ever look at me again and be like, oh, wow, Jeremy's so anointed. Oh, look at Jeremy when he prays, blah, 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 blah. uh It's the spirit of God. If the spirit of God left me, I'll tell you right now, I'd be nobody. Everything you see from me is from the Holy Spirit. And God will give you what he's given me, and he'll give you more. Trust me, guys. I'm just like Saul. So. I'm a nobody. I'm from a small town called Milpitas. <laughs> Why are y'all laughing? Is that not true? That's a heck of a small town. Y'all don't even know what it looked like before there was Great Mall. There was nothing. All right, we're moving on to the next line. Do you know? She knows. She's from South Bay. She knows. It's like, I ain't from San Francisco or Oakland or even Berkeley. I'm from Milpitas. No one knows Milpitas. Even Fremont's bigger than Milpitas. All right, next point. Second thing that happens with the anointing of the Holy Spirit is that he will transform you in your spirit, but also in your heart. He will transform you in your spirit and your heart. This is what he does. So the way that he transforms is by the Holy Spirit. But what he does is he transforms you in your spirit and in your heart. So let's get into it. What did he say? He said, then the spirit of the Lord will rush upon you and you will prophesy and be turned into another man. Interesting. What what does he mean by, you'll be turned into another man? we got to jump down to the last verse, verse 6, or verse 7, because it says, when Saul turned his back, right? Remember this part? When he turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart. So two things happened to Saul. He prophesied, and he got a new heart. What does this mean? we got to break this down really quick. Prophesy, I'm not going to get into the idea of prophesying. Prophesying simply means to be a messenger of God. It means to simply speak his word, okay? But basically, what I see here is that Saul was given the ability to do something spiritual. He's not a priest. But in that moment, he prophesied so well that when people walked around, they saw Saul. They're like, is he a prophet? They literally got, like, they had to, like, look. They're like, oh, my gosh. Like, he was so powerful in his prophecy that they thought he he was a priest. But he had no training. Do you know how many years it takes to train to be a priest? It's basically your whole life. You're born into being a priest. Only if you're in that family are you a priest. And then they train you up from the moment you're a child to become a priest. But when they saw Saul, they're like, is he a priest? That's how powerful he was in that. So what does that mean for you? I want you to know that when you allow the Holy Spirit to transform you, he gives you a spiritual gift. Or gifts, plural. Now I know in the room, I sense a nervousness because you think I'm going to talk about speaking in tongues but I'm not. (laughs) Okay. Speaking in tongues is only one of the gifts. Okay. And I know that many times certain denominations, we overemphasize certain gifts over other gifts. Can I tell you all the gifts from God are powerful and all the gifts from God are useful and anointed and are for his kingdom. Okay. Don't get it twisted. Don't create this hierarchy where it's like, Oh, he's more anointed because he speaks in tongues. No. That's incorrect theology. I want to correct that again. Do not over-spiritualize anointing and believe that when it's a spiritual activity, they're more anointed. Can I read you some of the the, the gifts of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit gives to all of us? I'll give you the first one because I want to break that. I want to break your uh, stigma of anointing. Administration. And if you don't believe me, read 1 Corinthians 12 and read Ephesians 4 and Romans 8. Okay, it's all in there. The first one I want to give you is administration. That is a spiritual gift. Can I give you another one? Generosity. That is a spiritual gift. Mm. I need need some more of that. Uh, Here's another one. Faith. Do you know that simply having faith, great faith is a gift from God. Teaching is a gift from God. That's another one. I got a list here. Sorry. Give me one second. I want to give you prophecy is another one. Wisdom is another one. Knowledge. Here's one. Mercy is a spiritual gift. To have mercy. Exhortation, which means to encourage, is a spiritual gift. So let's not get it twisted, guys. They're all valuable. They're all precious. And they're all gifts. And they're all given spiritually from the Holy Spirit. So I don't, so I want to challenge you That when you ask the Holy Spirit to come and transform you, to open your eyes to all the different types of gifts he can give and be open to whatever the Holy Spirit wants to give you. Yeah? Be open to what he wants to give you. And do not look down on what he gives you because they're all useful in the kingdom. Okay? And the second way he was changed, he had a new heart. What does that mean? He got a new heart. So I know psychology is really complicated in, in, in the Old Testament, they didn't have the ability to separate those things. To them, all it was was the outer man and the inner man. Very simple for them, right? They're not psychologists, right? They just realized, okay, there's a physical body, but there's an inner part of a person. So when he says heart in general, that word in Hebrew, leb, is obviously means heart. But just like us, when we use the word heart, it means something else. So the figurative language of the word heart in the Hebrew Bible is clearly just inner part of it. Everything that's the inner part, the totality of the inner part. And so for us, if we think about psychology, that's three parts of who we are, right? It's our thinking and understanding, it's our feeling and emotions, and it's our will and behavior. So, what we think, what we feel, and what we do, okay? And so the Holy Spirit says he, gave, he came and he gave him a new heart. So what does that mean for Saul? That means that he understood things he did not understand before. He felt things he never felt before. He desired things he never desired before. And then he was able to do things he was never able to do before, okay? And I I want to tell you that even in this story, we already see it happening. His understanding increased. How can I prove it to you? If someone, if I literally came up to you and said the same thing, that I anointed you with oil over your head, and I told you you were to be the next leader of the the entire church in America, would would you believe me? I don't know. But he didn't question Samuel. So he had understanding. He understood something that he did not previously understand. That's how I know. Second thing, he felt things he did not feel before. He had a new desire. He had a new desire. His desires changed. Can I prove to you how his desire changed? What was his desire? I actually already told you guys this. What was his desire when he came to dinner? His desire was to find out where his dad's donkeys were. When he left that place, I guarantee you that was not his desire anymore. His desire was to do what Samuel said to him, which was, you will save your people from the enemies around them. His desire's changed what was important to him changed you guys feel that he didn't come with the same thing anymore he wasn't just like oh i'm just gonna do my thing live my life blah 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 just trying to find these donkeys all of a sudden he's like wow he he cared about completely different things and the last thing he was able to do things he was not able to do before He's able to do things he's not able to do before. I can't tell it to you in this story, besides the prophesying, which is the spiritual part, but you'll go on to read in 1 Samuel how he leads them into battle and they're victorious. He's not a general, guys. He has no experience fighting. (laughs) But how does he lead an army into battle and win? It's through the Holy Spirit. Helps Helps him do things he was never able to do before. Okay? Now, I hear two thoughts that I think are running through your head, or maybe I'm just thinking this to myself. But the first thing I think that you're thinking is, how can God, how can God control what I'm doing? How can I do something that I've never done before? Does that make sense? And I want to tell you that I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit will come and like take take over you and like you'll start doing stuff and not be aware of what you're doing. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that he equips you. He encourages you. He gives you what you need to succeed in that moment. Does that make sense? That's what I mean by being able to do something you have not done before. He'll give you resources and help and equipment that you have not had before, yeah? And the second thing that I think about is that someone must be asking me about the Holy Spirit and saying, Jeremy, but I'm a Christian. Don't I already have the Holy Spirit? Why are you telling me that he's gonna transform me? Don't I already have him? Don't I already have him when I accepted Jesus into my heart? Okay, so we'll get into that right now. I wanna say yes. I'm not telling you that you have to do all these things to become saved. What I'm saying is that I believe that in a Christian's life, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is deposited into you. But I want to ask you something. How much room does he have to work? How much room does he have to move in your heart? That's what I'm getting at today. Transformation is directly tied to how much you allow him to work. How much do you allow him to pour out into your life? How much do you allow him to move and to speak to you? How much do you allow him space and authority to do what he wants to do? And that's what I mean, it's the outflow, it's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit into your life. Yes, you can have him, I believe in my heart, you can have Jesus, you can have Holy Spirit, and not change any part of your life, okay? And you will have him in your heart, and that's totally fine, and he'll be there, he'll be relegated to one small little like hall closet in your heart. And that's all that will get changed in your life. That's the only room in your heart that will be clean is your hall, is your broom closet, but you'll still go to heaven. So I'm, this is not talking about salvation, but guys, can I tell you something? I believe that God desires more than just for you to go to heaven. If that makes sense. God desires you to actually become a new person that desires for, to give you real life, to give you a new life, right now. And that happens when we allow the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to come into every part of our lives. Do you guys get what I'm saying? So that's what I'm getting at. All right? And the last one, God transforms his focus. And I kind of already alluded to this, but I'll just say it. What was his task? What did Samuel say to him? He said, and you shall reign over the people of the Lord your God, and you will save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. I got to go into something really quick, Okay? This talks about why do you, is anything even anointed? Can I tell you something? And don't take this the wrong way, okay? But Jesus didn't come just to transform you so you'll become a better person just for you. Just so you can be like, oh, I'm so powerful now. Or like, oh, I'm so awesome now. Or like, oh, look at me. I'm such a good person now. Or like, oh, look at me. I can do all these cool things now. Can I tell you something? It's not just for you. You can enjoy it. Okay, I'm not saying you can enjoy it. You can enjoy it. But the purpose is not that you get these little cool personal perks and cool superpowers. That's not it at all. Do you see what Samuel said to him? He said, this is all because you're called to save your people. Do you realize that the Holy Spirit comes in power? Because yes, he wants to bless you. But at the end of the day, he wants you to change the world. He wants you to go out there and build the kingdom. He wants you to go out there and make an impact. And he wants you to go out there and bless other people. That's the reason why he changes you. It's not just for you, it's for the rest of the world. It's to make an impact and to bring heaven onto earth and to build the kingdom of God. And so the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he will come and give you this, but I'll tell you one thing too, he'll change your perspective. He'll come and he'll change your focus that's not about you anymore, that your life is not about you anymore and your life is not your own, that you walk with him. but But can I tell you guys something? It's the most exciting thing you'll ever be part of. It's the most crazy thing you'll ever be part of. To be part of a mission that God has to actually change someone's life in a way that will change them forever. And that will change their family's life and their family's life and their children's life and their children's life. To change whole communities, to change whole cities, to change whole pockets of desolation, of hopelessness, of death of nothing but pain and suffering and addiction and anger and bitterness and hate and transform it into a place where there's living water. I don't know about you guys, but there's nothing else that's crazier than doing that. Even crazier than being an Avenger. (laughs) That's pretty cool though. All right. And so I want to tell you, what is anointing? And I, want, and I want to speak one last thing before I land this plane. I still sense in this room that some of you are like, it's not for me. It's not for me. It's not for me. Can I tell you something? Can I even tell you what the word anointing means? Anointing is mashach. Mashach literally means, literally, it's just it's such a plain word. It's so basic. It literally means to smear. Like you're smearing peanut butter on your toast. It means to smear. That's all it means. There's no, there's nothing unique about that word. You can anoint anything. I can anoint my forehead with lotion. I can anoint my hands with with anything. I can anoint my toast with avocado. It doesn't matter. It literally just means to smear. It just means to smear, smear, smear. Uh, now, Now it sounds weird anyway, but that's really what it means. It just literally means to smear. That's it. But do you understand that when you anoint is the key? So I want you to tell you that, anointing was for many things. That God called the people to anoint even tools that were used in the temple for his service. To anoint the fork, anoint the bowl, anoint the cup. Because it's going to be used in the presence of God. What does it mean? It means to set apart that item for God. That's all it means. It's now being set apart for a unique purpose. Now this cup is no longer for for my juice or for my own personal consumption. This cup now is for the Lord. That's what that means. And they would anoint their weapons even for battle. That this is not just a sword, but this is the sword to fight the Lord's battle. This is not just a shield. This is a shield to anoint for the Lord's battle. That's the difference. So you can anoint an object, but how much more powerful is it when God chooses to anoint a person? That's the key today, guys. That's the key today. That it's so much more powerful when God decides, I'm not just going to anoint objects for my service, but I want my sons and daughters to be part of my service, to do great things on this earth and to change it forever. That's what he's asking you. That's what the anointing of the Holy Spirit is for. That when he comes upon you and he transforms you, he transforms you spiritually, he transforms you inwardly, he transforms your focus and your attention, but he's setting you apart for something special. So if I can have the worship team come back up, we're going to land this plane, I like to say. But I want you to know, guys, again, that you are all called. We are all called to be anointed. It's for everything. It's for everyone. God, if God could anoint a cup, how much more would he anoint his sons and daughters? And I want to encourage you with a very easy, quick story of how I know this. It's that in Acts 2, when Jesus left and all of his disciples were gathered, scared in an upper room, the Holy Spirit came. And the Holy Spirit burst through the door. And he surrounded every one of them. And tongues of fire were above their head. And yes, it was the gift of tongues. But I don't want you to get nervous about that. Do you not realize that they were given other gifts as well? Do you not realize that right after that, Peter gave the most powerful sermon in the history of mankind when 5,000 people accepted Jesus Christ? A scaredy cat named Peter, who couldn't even tell a little girl in front of a bonfire that he followed Jesus, had no preaching acumen, had no education, Suddenly gained knowledge, wisdom, teaching, and preaching, all in that moment, and boldness and faith, and stood up in the middle of a courtyard, and preached the gospel. The same guy who was so scared, he ran away at night. That's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And can I tell you who was in that room? It wasn't just the eleven. There was many more. There was many more followers of Jesus. And so you might say, I'm not one of the eleven that's okay I got news for you neither am I (laughs) but the Holy Spirit didn't pick and choose the Holy Spirit came and everyone in that room who was willing and ready and obeyed they received the anointing of the Holy Spirit and so I wanted to let you know today it is for you so I want you to close your eyes right now because I believe the Holy Spirit is here and I believe that he wants to come and he wants to begin to transform you. That his His call in your life is not just to love you. It's not just to be with you. Yes, it is. He does love you. Yes, he wants to be with you. But it's more than that. That even when Jesus walked three years with his disciples, he said, there is more. There is more. And it comes through the Holy Spirit. And I believe right now, the Holy Spirit is here and he's looking for hearts that are open, that are going to allow him to do a mighty work in your life, to actually allow him to, be to change things that only he can change and to give you gifts that only he can give to you and to give you a mission and an assignment that only he knows what you can do, that he is set apart for you to do. But you have to let him in first. And so I'm calling us right now in this moment to become a people, guys, to become believers who have a bigger vision and a bigger heart and a bigger perspective, that our eyes are lifted high above ourselves, that it's more than just having Jesus be our best friend and make our lives fun and make our lives comfortable and make our lives better and easier. No, that's not why Jesus came. Yes, he wants to love you. Yes, he wants to make your life better. But it's not just that. It's so much more. And in this moment, it's us allowing the Holy Spirit to come and to have authority in our life, to have His way in our life, not just for salvation. How about for our problems? How about for our struggles? How about for our addictions? How about for the things that hurt us, our pains, our hopes, and our dreams? How about when you pray for your family, you rely on the Holy Spirit instead? when you pray for, for, for our country and our nation, that you rely on the Holy Spirit instead. It's about that, guys. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and do the work that only He can do. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to worship right now. But I want you right now, if you can't even sing at the same time, don't even Because right now, I believe that the one thing the Holy Spirit wants is that he is calling out to you right now. Just like Samuel. He's saying, come right now. I'm here. Come right now. I'm here. Come and sit at the table with me. I want to anoint you right now, this very day. Just begin to open your heart to what He wants to do right now. Just begin to open yourself right now to the Holy Spirit. I just want to say a quick prayer, and then we're going to worship. Holy Spirit, we know that you are here. Holy Spirit, you've come to meet with us this moment, Lord. We come and we and we follow you at the table, and we sit at your feet. Anoint us with whatever you want to anoint us with, Holy Spirit. We are ready. We are here. We are listening, Holy Spirit. Pour out your Spirit on us in the way that you see fit. Pour out your spirit on us in the way that you want to right now. Our hearts are open. Have your way right now. Have your way right now.